Now, now your ideas don't have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas, loves expanding your business, evolving your passions. We push what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at Dell.com. Welcome to now. The Back to Back Podcast is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that NBA ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices that go up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. You can find specific deals for a past game and an upcoming game and compare them to that night's game. And it only takes two taps to check out. So head to the App Store or the Play Store and download the Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Welcome to the Back to Back Pod on the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel and Seth Partnow. Are you ready to be entertained? Hello and welcome to Nerder She Wrote. It's a back-to-back podcast on The Athletic. I'm your host, Dave DeFore, joined by Mo Dakil, Seth Partnow, and our special guest, the author of Thinking Basketball and the podcast host of Thinking Basketball and the YouTube channel, Thinking Basketball. Uh, anything else, Ben? I do think about other stuff, but mostly basketball. Yeah, Ben Taylor. Thanks Welcome. for having me. Welcome. Yeah, you've already been on a athletic podcast before. You've been on this show uh, at Summer League. You were actually you were there, right? The underground crew when we were discussing the Kawhi Leonard uh, to the Clippers, the Paul George trade, all of that. And you also did uh, the show with with Seth. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So who's better, me or Seth? That's 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 really why you're on the show. Uh, I can lay out some parameters, but it really depends on the perspective you want to take. No, oh, no. Ben, there's only one answer. Bo. Bo is better. There's o- that's the only answer. Actually, <laughs> Mo was the first guest in the history of the Thinking Basketball podcast. Because that's, I'm better. There you go. Well, I, I can't argue against Mo. But I will say this. Uh, uh, all three of you guys having the sniffles is really funny. Um, Mo, you, sa- you sound like... Um, Rudolph, when they put the thing to cover his red nose right now, I'm just going to let you know. Well, I have a, I, I do have a red nose now because there you it, go. I am quite congested. How's the air quality in LA? Is it is it awful right now or what? Terrible. It sure as hell is it good. Yeah. The, the fires, the the ones the other day are really close to me. So at about three in the afternoon, it was like breathing in through a fiery wood chipper. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Didn't help the uh, the bronchial condition. Yeah, and Seth, you're getting snow, right? Yeah, we got about uh, four inches so far this morning, and it's still coming down. So happy Halloween <laughs> in Milwaukee. Oh man, uh, guys, I I think it's like 42 degrees here. I, I like uh, so awful, so awful down here in te- 46. Sorry, 46 and sunny. Um, 
air quality. Are we gonna are fine. we gonna do sports next after the? Yeah, weather? yeah, we are. We're doing we're doing our weather first. <laughs> All right. So uh, one of the craziest games I've ever seen happened last night. The Wizards and Rockets had a final score of one fifty nine to one fifty eight. It was. Uh, I mean, there's no defense right at all in this game. Um, I have two questions, and and anybody who wants to jump in first, jump in. Was this the greatest game in NBA history? And is this a prime example that NBA offenses need to kind of be uh, corralled a little bit? Maybe we need to maintain enforcement of some of these rules that we're not loving early on. Not everybody at once, though. <laughs> I think I don't know if it was the greatest game in NBA history, but it was sure as hell one of the funnest to watch. It was awesome in regular awesome. season. I mean, you're just going back and forth. I mean, for sure, no defense being played whatsoever on either side. Uh, so it was kind of amazing to watch this whole thing play out. Uh I'm not sure I'm with you on the uh, they need to rein in the offenses a bit because, you know, uh, any other team would play defense. So it may not necessarily have been this, but uh, that was freaking amazing. So Ben and I had a conversation uh, last year that that we and we felt like travel, like the travel calls have gotten out of control just allowing way too much. They were, they were letting guys get away with way too much, getting too much of an advantage. Ben, do you think that they're fixing this and, and that this will help with some of the, I mean, this is obviously, obviously an aberration, but uh, we're seeing a lot of games. I mean, the wizards played the Spurs and it was like one twenty two to one twenty. You're not thinking of that Clint Capella four steps last night. Are you? Was it only four? Did you guys catch that on the was fast it, break? Was it only four? It was like three and a half. You know, you try to slow it down and give some credence to the gather. I think back in the day before the gather, it would have been about five steps. But with the gather, it was only like three and a half somewhere in there. It was one of the all time great travels. He like picked up his dribble 30 feet from the hoop and took a number of steps to get under the rim to dunk. Yeah, and I'm I'm okay with not calling travels when you don't gain an advantage. Well, but he clearly did. Okay, so really quickly on the travel thing, and then I got some more thoughts on that yeah. game. Um, it's it's going to help a little bit. I've actually run some numbers uh, in terms of like how much more frequently we're seeing travels early in the season, and they are up. But what's weird to me is that I think they're picking off a travel that doesn't give the offense a huge advantage. That like little pivot fake. foot. Yeah, that like yeah. little pivot foot pump fake. And they're being extremely technical about it. I've seen a couple called where you have to go super, super slow-mo to see if the foot actually came off the ground yeah, when they're it actually turns just 13 degrees. It. Yeah. That's how it is so, in Europe. That's not the one I would love to see reined in a little bit. But uh, look, I don't think last night's game was about traveling or even some of the looseness of the rules. I do believe it was the worst played defensive game I've ever seen in the regular season. But isn't this what we want out of the regular season? Right? No. Like, don't we we don't want entertainment. We don't want you know, we, we all talk about how the games don't matter and the T V ratings are down. Uh if that had been a nationally televised game, I think the ratings would have been pretty good by the end. Yeah, but I I I'm sure I'm probably the minority. 
But I like seeing defense. I like seeing guys compete on both ends. I don't like that we've begun to allow guys over the past few years to just be completely terrible on defense because they can shoot. Like it's it's fine if it's one guy or whatever, but it's like we've got out of hand in that sense. You know, basketball is you got to play on both ends. Like I hate the term. He's a two way player. No, he's a basketball player. The other guys are one way players. And I don't think that's something we should be accepting. And, and that's a problem for me in the sense because I do enjoy defense. I do enjoy watching how teams defend and whatnot. I mean, this game was amazing offensively to watch these two guys basically Beal and Harden go back and forth down the stretch. But like it was a bit frustrating to watch in terms of defense, just going like, just try, guys, just just give a little more effort, you know, try to get a stop. So for me, that was something that I thought was disappointing in the game. Uh, Seth, um, you, you made a point the other day about about travels and moving screens that I thought uh, was kind of something we, sh- we should all be talking about, where, where the offenses get all of these advantages. Um, how do they rein in this stuff aside from calling every single travel and calling every single moving screen? I mean, I think that the, the – you know, to, to agree with Ben a little bit is like – they really taking away those, those those plays that just gain an advantage. Like if you if you watch over the last couple of years, you can see how much like the, an offensive like a screener is allowed to like move and slide and pivot and widen into a screen so that the 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 line the offensive player is taking to go over the screen is like three feet closer to the basket than the line that the defensive player has to take to 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 keep up with him. And and you know that's. Uh, if you can't put your hands on a guy in the perimeter, which I think I don't think any of us really want to go back to like the the hand hand combat of like the you know the guiding a guy out of bounds with a hand on his hip. Um, if if you're not allowed to do that, then you can't you gotta you gotta give the guy a chance to to get through a screen without his, you know without him getting you know blown up by a pulling guard almost. Yeah, I was gonna um, say Steph is, Curry is, looks like a pulling guard often when he's like pushing guys in the chest. You know, on on some of these, you know, screens that he's setting. Uh, obviously, Draymond. You know, we we all know that he's the king of it. Well, actually, I mean, it's like thinking, it's even it was, it was the first time I really noticed it was a couple of years ago, and just where I was sitting for one of the games had a perfect angle on on Dwight Howard, and he and and he would set a screen for Kemba Walker with when Kemba uh, would go over the screen. Dwight would have one foot on either side of the arc. And then by the time the defensive player got it, he'd somehow reverse pivoted so that he was almost out. It seemed like almost out to the hash and it didn't get called once. And it's like, yeah, well, how can you, you know, Kimber Walker doesn't really need that kind of help, but if you give that kind of help, then yeah, he's going to get downhill and be very tough to guard every time. And the fact that it's so easy to, to spring an offensive player for an advantage has made many more guys kind of threatening with the ball in their hands uh, offensively than they, they they might be if you need to to you know use that screen a little more intelligently come off it with with pace or with change of pace change of direction or, or 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 kind of actually beat a guy instead of just you know being able to know your defenders getting cleared out so you get a free run at the that you know at the feet of the the opposing big man and so I think that would be you know if if there's one thing that you know uh, kind of you see it a lot these kind of these point of emphasis calls are huge for the first uh, I don't know week two, two weeks, weeks three weeks yeah, of the season yeah. yeah first 
first 7,500 games maybe of a season, and then they kind of drop back to kind of a normal, a normal, maybe slightly higher than before, but still kind of a normal rate. But if they're going to keep one thing up, I would just like, you know, make the guy sit in the ball screen, stand still. Yeah. And 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 well, I think that's you especially know. because you've made it harder to stay attached to guys coming off those screens because now that hand that's that's on the guy, which you know used to be that that sort of gray area that they just you know. Yes, hand checking is illegal, but we'll let you stay attached when you're following out around the screen. Well, now guys pull up to shoot right off those screens as soon as they feel that contact, and they want to make that call, you know, the foul on the ground thing, and so it's even tougher to play defense. So my thought on this is what would happen to offensive efficiency if we took some of these advantages out in the rules, the moving screens, traveling, some of the calls that you just alluded to around, uh, you know, continuation, all these other things, right? If we took them out, I'm curious, it's just been floating around in my head all week, looking at league trends and offensive rating, like what would happen? Because well, the thing I don't think a lot of lay people realize, this sort of average fan, the ESPN TNT viewer, if you will, defenses are way more complicated and they're just way smarter. All the little two-man and three-man game actions that have been staples of basketball for years, people have just figured out better ways to defend those. Yep. And yet, right, we still have this rise in offensive efficiency because of stuff like playing more spalls and spacing and unlocking the three-point shot and all the rules we're talking about here. That, that's my question. But see, like, I don't think defense has it fully figured out yet. Like even the, the actions you're talking about, there are some actions they've figured out, but the way the game has been played the past few years, besides switching, there hasn't really been anything defensively where we felt like, okay, that, that handles everything now. Now we're covered. Uh, I think defense in general is still trying to catch up. And, you know, with the way the rules are called, the way everything's officiated now, it, it, it does seem almost impossible to, to play defense to a degree. You can't touch it. I didn't think Harden was fouled last night. You know, I thought he threw his body into uh, Bonga and got the foul call. I mean, Bonga had his hands up and everything, and he just threw his body into him and then bounced off and, and you know, ended up going to the line for the game-winning free throws. Like, I don't know what Bonga's supposed to do defensively in that situation. Like, this is, this is the problems we're running into with it. I think, you know, you know offensive efficiency has skyrocketed because the way the game has changed, it, it takes a while for defense to catch up. But on top of it, it's almost impossible with the way the game's officiated to actually defend. So w- what you're arguing for is there needs to be more contact allowed. Yes, there I mean, needs basket- to be more physicality allowed. I mean, we don't defense. need to be. We don't. We don't need to go back to the mugging guys, you know, and and, and back to the '90s where it was basically just a a mugging like i said it's just grabbing guys and holding guys constantly and whatnot but now you can't do that defensively but offensively you know watch shooters watch shooters coming off screens watch how they constantly are pushing their defenders off of them and then running off a screen like that never gets called you know or very rarely you know it's impossible that says we allow the offense to initiate all the contact but if the defender just you know is is there they end up getting called for the foul like you need to be able to allow some of this contact like that foul that wasn't a foul last night to me you know Harden initiated all of that contact and you know it's just, it's a 
I know it's a bang bang play for the refs, but like that's how hard it gets to the line. And that's you know he and he's playing within the rules of the way the game's officiated. It's it is what it is. But like they need to let some of these things go because it's just becoming a problem now. Where I, I honestly don't know how you defend. Well, I agree. Like I especially think around the basket, a lot of the stuff that's called. I mean, it's almost always called on the defense needs to be let go. In particular, because some of this stuff, by by the textbook definition, are offensive fouls. Every time a guy sticks his off arm out at a defender, it's an offensive foul. Now, we don't want to call those because we want dunks. Like, I want to see Giannis posterize a guy. I don't want to see him called for an offensive foul because he's palming Thomas Bryant's face. You know? Well, by all did, means. But, palm yeah, it. but he did... He did uh... He did catch Brad Wanamaker last With night. With an elbow, yeah. Yeah, I, I tweeted that play up. Yeah. And, th- you know, that's frustrating because, okay, so to most But you saw point, the call on the floor was against Wanamaker. Which is very confusing in real time because yeah. you you can't say we're going to allow verticality. Right. And then a guy goes up and he's perfectly vertical. And just because someone's trying to steamroll him, you know, I think that's where like there's a space in here where I think maybe the balance can be better to most point, because for me, basketball, the spirit of basketball has always been about a physical advantage, a, a physical contact that gives you an advantage. You know, there's like a rule scoping there where if you it's just kind of like in football, if you have your if you're a cornerback and you have your hand on the guy, but you don't move them, you don't pull them. That's just proprioceptive feedback. You just have your hand there. That shouldn't be pass interference. But if you pull them, it's pass interference. It's kind of the same spirit for me in basketball. You don't need to completely take away every piece of physical contact. It's about advantages. And if you're going down the lane, man, and like you're trying to defend a huge, incredible athlete coming at you and he's allowed to elbow you in the face, uh, then I don't know what you can do. Why well, the one thing that I think that they're getting right is that they're they're calling more of those those offhand pushoffs on guys that are going to the basket? Um, this is a good thing. Now, are they going to call it on LeBron? You know, in May, I doubt it, but they should. I mean, he's he's kind of made a career off that. We all saw Ka- Kawhi was just killing people with that last year because they never call it. I think if they could clean that up, defenses would actually have a much better chance with with some of these. You know buckets around the basket but fixing verticality fixing that little push off and then if you could eliminate or at least you know cut down on the moving screens and I, there was a screen the other night Jakob Pertl threw his hip out and the defender uh, I don't remember who was playing defense but the defensive player was called for a, a foul even though I mean you know Pertl initiated all of the contact so um, there's definitely some stuff that they can do uh, but it does feel like offenses kind of have a little bit too much of an advantage right now. I think part of it is also, I mean, you talked about the, the, uh, defenses catching up to kind of some of the simple actions. I think offenses have kind of gotten the advantage back on this and Mo, you can, you can tell me if you agree or not, but offenses have started to, you know, you don't just run a pick and roll anymore. You, you chip the guy who's, who's setting the screen. So, you know, you get his defender off him half a step by, by setting a, a screen, like a pin down for a guy before he comes up to even set the screen. So yeah, if you were in perfect position, you were in a great spot to defend it. But now since this, you've already set this like, you know, initial screen as my cat attacks me, of course. Uh, <laughs> what is this dunked on? 
Um, that's a, it's a foul. <laughs> what the cat just did to you is a foul. Oh, it's you know, it's a principle of of verticality of, of nail clipping apparently. <laughs> um, uh, but no, so so yeah, the, the, these are these actions are harder to defend now because like you're you're getting a screen before the screen, and so if you were in perfect position to guard it initially, you could do so. But your the offenses have found a way to put you in a bad spot even before kind of the the main action starts. Yeah, no, so that's you're you're right. I mean, definitely, it's it's even the stuff where like the guy's coming to set the screen, and then at the last second, flips the side of the screen, and now the defense is up against it, and it, they're struggling in that situation. Like the offense has a ton of advantages already. You know, they don't need the help with how the game's officiated because you could do a bunch of little different things. Everything you just said is exactly the stuff that I love watching offenses do. I love seeing them kind of tweak that stuff and having to see how the defense reacts to that is kind of the fun of the game for me. And, you know, the way we allow these guys to kind of get away with so much more, it, it, it ruins it for me, but you're, the offense already has a baked in advantage because they know exactly what they're going to do. The defense has to figure it out. That's kind of the the whole game. So just to put a, a bow on why I thought it was the worst, you know, we've been talking about officiating, but the defense was just but it was wildly, wildly poor last night. So it was the second time in the 35 year history of basketball references database, which covers almost the entire three point era. It was the second time ever two offenses have gone over a 140 offensive rating in the same game. Uh, the only other time that happened, January 14th, 2009, the Wizards were also involved and they played the Knicks. And if you go back and look at that box score, you, both teams combined to shoot 60% from three. They shot almost 90% from the line. It was a game with ridiculous shot making where last night had some of that, certainly, but everybody was open. Everybody was getting to the rim. I thought that play at the end of the first half was a, a microcosm of the game where Washington scored. The Rockets came down and scored. And then Washington ran like a, like a Hail Mary play with two yeah. seconds left and scored at the other end. Uh, so anyway, just wanted to throw that out there. The, 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 the numbers actually back up how wildly uh, inefficient the defenses were last yeah, night. They made 43 threes combined last night they were 43 for 90 combined not bad no pretty good <laughs> okay another problem that reared its ugly head last night uh everybody knows that i hate the charge um i not the offensive foul okay i, I want to clarify this if you're in legal guarding position meaning like you're actually guarding the ball i don't mean like you're on the court which is technically legal guarding position uh, for for stepping in and drawing a charge. If you're guarding the ball, you can draw a charge, right? Fine. No problem with that. But if you're not involved in the play and you slide over with the only intent being getting in the way, that is not a basketball play. And now the most fun basketball player probably of my lifetime uh, is hurt and, and is going to miss time. Now, he was playing with a G League team, so maybe this is a blessing in disguise for the Warriors. But, you know, Steph Curry broke his hand last night uh, because Aaron Baines got knocked over by a guy he's, you know, twice the size of. By the way, I'm not mad at Aaron Baines. Aaron's playing by the rules of the game. But, uh, you know, Mo, you're, you're a coach. How frustrating is this? I mean, it's beyond frustrating. This is one of those things where, first off, it's the hardest thing 
for officials to call, right? right? Like it's the always block bang, bang. charge, it's, and, and it could go either way almost all the time. Like you're, you're looking at it and you're just like, wow, I, it could be a charge. It could be a block. Like you don't know what to do if you're the ref. I, I understand. It's a difficult thing to officiate, but it's just so damn frustrating. Like, okay, your big man comes over and rotates. Cool. Make a play on the ball instead of just stand there. You know, that's basically what we're encouraging guys to do. And that's kind of the problem we're running into it as a coach. It's, you know, it's a flip side, you know, coaches do encourage their players to slide over, take the charge. There is a, in the Jackie Mack story, there was, you know, Kenny Atkinson was proving the point of taking a charge. He took a charge in practice, you know, to kind of prove the point to the guys. You know, we have Ersan Ilyasova with the Bucks, who led the league with 50 charges last year and is probably near the top this year because he took like three, I think, in one game I was watching. So, you know, it's just one of those things where it's not defense, though. It's literally just slide over. And hope the guy runs and, and, and the guy runs into you. And you lead to a lot more flops. We're leading to a lot more guys kind of falling into it. And then now we've lost basically one of the best players in the league due to it. It's it's just a overall, it's just a frustrating play. Seth, would you ban the charge? I'd certainly do something to reform it. Um I didn't even think the one like the like the Baines wasn't even a particularly egregious example it wasn't. of a guy like it was just sliding a, in. The falling down thing. Yeah. Like so, you, f- you have to fall down or otherwise you're not going to get the call. Yeah. And that's also dumb, you know. So Sorry. I want to call – there was a good article that came out yesterday from uh, from Patrick Ruby uh, at, at, uh, at the Guardian US uh, talking about how uh, back in the day apparently like Mark Cuban um, – contracted like this group of like college like kinetics professors to to try to figure out if they could find a way to uh discover what is a flop versus actually getting knocked down <laughs> yeah i saw that and it's yeah. a fascinating article about about them like diving into like the uh the physics of this so i would i would recommend everyone everyone kind of read that and one of the takeaways from that actually is is actually doesn't take a like the part about Steph Curry knocking Aaron Baines down, that's actually from a, a physics standpoint is the most believable part. Uh, it, uh, even even a big sturdy guy like Aaron Baines doesn't actually take that much force to knock off balance. Now, whether he lets himself fall or whatever and like what some of the telltale signs can be um, – uh, the article, I, I, again, I would encourage people to read the article, but it, it's like the telltale signs of like a flop are like massive arm and upper body movement, um, basically is, is what, what they're talking about because it's a, it's a, it's, you know, that's a go physics nerd here, but it's right. an elastic collision. So there's, you know, there, there's only so much force contained in the collision. And for a lot of the ones where, you know, the Marcus smart style shot out of a cannon, like someone hand hands, Marcus smart is, uh, is a, is applying extra force to the situation to make himself look like he got hit harder. So it, so that's like the, you know, watch the, if the upper body snaps back or the arms go flailing straight up in the air, that's, those are usually good, good indications of an actual flop. Um, that's sort of tangential to the point about, about, uh, yeah. charges, but I thought it was interesting. So yeah, that, about that actually wasn't interesting. Uh, right down to the, the lab researchers, uh, <laughs> trying to practice flops so that they could measure, what it would look like if yeah anyway go go read the article uh yeah ben uh so steph curry's out and this sucks yeah and last night was so insane as we talked through this i'm sitting here realizing we haven't even talked about uh Embiid and carl anthony towns getting into 
some sort of brouhaha uh, in what was a sort of wild scrap earlier in the night. The Celtics Bucks game was crazy. The rock, like so many things happened before Curry broke his wrist, which is, you know, extremely deflating. Uh, I think the point I would push, you know, or at least allude to on the charge is I think it was Nate Duncan, right? Who gave a yeah, talk at, at Sloan. Sloan. Yep. Yeah. And I thought he had a, I thought he had a decent compromise, which was essentially move the charge circle out. Um, the, and I, I haven't read that piece. I'd be fascinated on the physics, but my, I actually had a physics thought after hearing that proposal, which is that if these collisions are taking place farther away from the hoop, Right. The way players are setting up, you wouldn't have the same kind of like violent falling clashes that you see. And that's really, you know, it's somewhat fluke, but that's really all that ended yeah. up happening last night. Like Baines didn't do anything egregious, as we all agree on. And yeah. uh, the, the second I saw the replay, I said, oh, because Bane, it wasn't the fall. It was just it was Baines falling on him. Right. You know? The way he <laughs> landed on that wrist. Right. You know, I actually is so you eliminate the the jumping in the air portion of the charge if you if you take it further away from the basket um i would widen the court and and then widen the charge circle if that makes sense so i would just go ahead and do all of that at once i mean the court should be wider right so then you so then you have a a full three point distance in the corner yeah yeah and the corner would still be still be valuable just because of the function of like how basketball works but um, yeah, so I would, I would definitely suggest expanding that charge circle just to avoid this stuff. Uh, by the way, Nate's, um, Sloan talk is on YouTube somewhere. Um, I know cause I watched it there, so I, I'm not sure if it's on the official Sloan YouTube or not, but it, yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I didn't know if I was watching a pirated copy or, you know, I don't want, I don't want Daryl getting mad at me. <laughs> No, SSAC, I believe, uh, something yeah. around SSAC. It's worth watching because yeah. he actually did the data on, on the injuries and, and the injuries that come out of it, and they're just needless. I mean, again, like this Steph Curry injury didn't need to happen. It was not – this was not a basketball play that, that Aaron Baines was making. It's only a basketball play because, you know, that's sort of like come up because of the rules of the game. It's not something that – looks like basketball or, or playing defense at all. And maybe if they fix the verticality calls, we wouldn't have so many guys trying to slide in for charges. And to be clear also, none of us are saying Bage is dirty. Like Bage oh, is yeah, playing, no, no, within, not playing, playing within the yeah. rules, uh, doing it. Ilya Soba, same thing. Like this is just a rule that's there, that these guys are they're doing what they're supposed to do. This is exactly what, you know, we – as coaches, we preach in rotation and things like that and get out there and try to get in position and try to take the charge because most of the time, it, it's like you said, if you change the verticality rule, maybe you have a better chance of making a play at the rim. But more often than not, if you try to go block a shot, odds are you're going to get a foul call. So I think this is I think these go hand in hand with the verticality rule and, and making that change. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's about lunchtime here. That means I'm going to fire up DoorDash, guys. Uh, we've been crushing it on this show, so uh, I've worked up a little bit of an appetite. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering's easy. Just open the app, choose what you want to eat, and your food gets delivered to you wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code BACK. 
like back-to-back podcasts. Don't forget the promo code BACK for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Ben, what has annoyed you this week? Aside from the Rockets and Wizards. (laughs) <laughs> no, we've been, we've been leaning hard early on the annoying things because I know it feels negative. Well, no. So we, we've had like really constructive conversations, I think, coming out of ah, this thing annoyed me a little bit. But here's how I would want to see it changed. So uh, what's annoyed you so far uh, about the season? Besides league pass. We're going <laughs> to fixable things, Ben, fixable things, things yeah. that we can actually because we could it's something that we could actually have a discussion about, like something within human control that would be very easy to just. Yes. You know. Yes. <laughs> OK, uh, then I can't think of anything. I don't know. Oh, OK. Mo, what do you got? No, nothing's annoyed me. This has been actually a great season so far. Like, All right. I'm going to have Jade cut everything from from the ad read. <laughs> To where we are right now. No, why? Why are we being so? The, the first eight days of the season have been insane. Actually, like, listen, this has been really, really fun. I, I don't really care for the Carl Anthony Towns Embiid fight at all. Like that, I, that just doesn't interest me. I want it was to see a 10, these guys. 10. Well, no, no, no. I mean, I just don't care about it. Like, I, I want to watch them play basketball. I don't. If I wanted to watch people fight, I'd watch people that know how to fight. Basketball yeah. players don't know how to fight. Luckily, okay. I'm, I'm with you on you that. You break your hand a lot. I'm with you on that. The only thing I would say there is that I enjoyed the hell out of that game before the, I was actually on another game when it happened, but I had watched the entire first half, a little of the third quarter and they were just them going at it was, it lived up to the billing on the court. And I think the only, the only thing there for me is that they were going at each other so hard that it just spilled over into that. That was the that was the only thing I care about. On well, Carl Anthony Towns looked like he he looks like he's turned a corner on the intensity front, which has yeah. been an issue for him, I think, in his career. Um, his screens look better. Uh, he's being more aggressive when he's got the ball. Um, I mean, he looks like he looks like the guy that people were saying he was two years ago. I'm actually interested in Seth and Mo. Yeah. what they think of cat because he's been he's really been on my radar in the first week um i think it's the the number one thing is is they're um they it seems like and i've heard this from numerous places that they've kind of simplified the defensive side of the ball and kind of okay you're you're good at being very large and near the basket so let's try to do that as much as possible and not a lot of like complicating head complicated head show recover rotation stuff like that just like no you're you're enormous and talented and and you can rebound and grab and go so yeah you being near the basket more is probably good for our defense and so just having a scheme that does that um seems like it's it's kind of on the defensive side and then that it seems like uh, has maybe um carried over to the other side and i think he's probably a guy who's benefited from kind of as the league has sort of downsized overall, I forget who I, I was watching them play somebody and might've been Charlotte. It, was it Charlotte that I'm thinking of where they were down a little bit. And then he seemed like he just got like 19 straight offensive rebounds and just kept kind of playing volleyball with himself and like dropping the ball in the basket. Like he was wilt. And as the league is sort of moving away from that, like the, the big, strong mobile guy, 
is 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 gaining just more advantages because there's more situations where oh there's no one who can physically bother me at all on the floor so let me just get every rebound and get inside and and, and shoot layups all game oh dave that's annoyed me the 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 reaction to people saying anthony davis shouldn't be shooting 26 free throws this is Seth's point to me if you're carl anthony towns if you're anthony davis if you're this is why i thought philadelphia's offense would be fine when we did our preview like if you're Joel Embiid you are now truly a man amongst boys and when when teams are taking these players off the court uh it should be you getting 15 20 25 free throws 15 20 rebounds 25 rebounds because there's just no one else basketball is still a vertical size based game and if if you're listening and you're too young to have seen prime shack this is what it was like it was like he was going for he the finals would start and they would throw two or three big men at him. And he's still going for 40 and 20 every night. Just book it. So that's annoyed me a little bit in terms of people's reactions to that. You should be seeing that if you're going to make the trade off and not put other bigs on the court. But I also want to hear what Mo had to say about cat too. Well, first to your point, like I used to always say, if Shaq was officiated appropriately, he'd be going to the line 40 times a night, like plain and simple. So we're kind of just seeing that now with all these big guys getting a bunch of free throws. The other thing that I really love that they're doing with cat is they're kind of just, you know what? He's our best player. We're putting the ball in his hands. We're going to have him create more. We're going to have him play, make more. He's shooting. He's basically doubled the output of threes that he took last season at this point. And he's early on. So obviously things will change, but he's shooting 52% last year. He shot 40%. So it'll probably drop sub, but still going to be relatively high. Like he's, they're just saying, Hey, you're our guy. Go be our guy. And he's stepping up to the challenge. It's been really impressive to watch. You know, it's been early. It's only been a couple of games. We've seen what we saw what happened in the first game where they faced like a real opponent opponent when they played Philly. I mean, listen, before I mean, they were getting their asses handed to them throughout this game. So uh, eventually it kind of caught up to them. But it's going to be an interesting thing to watch as he goes forward but this is a good step forward in watching cat and it's what dave said it's this is the cat that people were expecting or gms were expecting when they picked him as a cornerstone of this is when we start our franchise with him over ad a few years back this is the guy we're finally seeing and it's kind of normal he's in his fifth year this is it takes bigs a while to figure it out he's been through a couple of coaches but now it looks like they found a system and a style that suits him and and now he's just going to go be the guy. Yeah, the the threes are the big differentiator for him, I, I think. The the volume. I mean, he he's literally shooting double the amount of threes and it, like like Mo said it's early, but double the amount of threes per game. Um and that's just that's huge because he's actually he's pulling that opposing big out. So he's going to open up stuff for the entire offense. I mean, like it it's not there's no it's not coincidence that Carl Anthony Towns has looked amazing and Andrew Wiggins has looked better. Like this is that's a function of of Carl Anthony Towns. And to and to bring just to say to go back to the threes, it's not like he shot only two threes last year and he's shooting right. four. Right. He shot four point six last year. He's shooting eight point five now. Like that's a ton of threes for a big guy. And he's freaking delivering. Yeah, so if you haven't if you haven't seen the Timberwolves either this isn't just a Miles Turner situation where he's pulling the trigger more on like right. open pick and pops. He he has a step back step three back. pointer yeah. 
that is like Harden-esque, but for a seven footer. And so he's using that more in addition to the typical catch and shoot or pop and stretch shot. He, I mean, he's hitting these with centers in his face and he's just giving him the shimmy and the step back. It's it's incredible. I'm excited a, to do. He's a, a true video on center. It. He's a true center who can shoot threes off the dribble. And at at like above forty percent. This is not Joel Embiid, you know, throwing whatever uh, pumpkins at a barn, which is basically what it <laughs> is when he's shooting. You know, I mean, this is a guy that literally is, is probably the best shooter on his team. And he could do it off the dribble. Yeah, he's been he's been incredible. What about Embiid? How do you guys feel about Embiid? I mean, I, I think that em, Embiid and Simmons, it looks like they're probably going to both miss some time with suspensions, uh, which could could cost them when it comes to you know home court advantage in the playoffs. Um, but Embiid this year, what do you guys think? He's pretty good. I'll I'll, I'll jump in there. I'm, look, man, I'm still recovering from throwing pumpkins at the barn. Is that a, is that a, I, a I, San just, Antonio expression? No, I just made that up. I just made it's it good. up. I, He's a bad three-point shooter. I, you, you you sent me into a coughing fit with that, so I'm just I'm recovering. I'm okay now. Don't worry. He's a but, bad you know. three-point shooter. Just because he shoots them doesn't mean he's good at them. I mean, he's like a 30% three-point shooter, which is fine for two or three a game or whatever. But, like, so here's the thing. No, I think, he's not a real but, threat. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Like, he's actually shooting a pretty well this year. At Again, still very early. The numbers yeah. will probably, you know, come down a little bit. But right now he's shooting about 36%. The real interesting thing about a beat so far, though, is with the addition of Al, For- Al Horford, he hasn't had to play as many minutes. Right. Uh, you know, he's, he's averaging right now about 25 minutes a game. That will go up in time. But the funny thing about that is, He's averaging 23 points in those 25 minutes. Like, that's pretty damn good, you know, and, and to relate it to last year. Last year, he averaged 27.5 with 33 minutes. So, I mean, he's he's damn near his average in short eight minutes. Like, that's pretty impressive uh, efficiency. That's something that we're not really used to with Embiid. The one thing that does drive me nuts with Embiid, and we saw it in uh, not this game, but the, the game before. I can't remember who they played. But he still just turns over the ball left and right, and it freaking drives me nuts. I think he just does too much work during the offseason on one-on-one. I, I think he doesn't doesn't do enough. Uh, I mean, this is I'm I'm really just speculating here from what I see. Um, but he plays like a guy that doesn't train enough in team relatable skills, which is where that you know because he's not a bad passer. I think he's got at least the right idea. It's just then taking that idea and translating it to, you know, an actual NBA game, you know, cause you watch him try these passes and some of them are just, they're weird, but it's the right idea. Um, and then, you know, he winds up turning the ball over. And... It's, it's so funny you say that Dave, because what I was going to ask Mo and I'll probably have some video content at some point on this, but, it looks like they basically have the old we run two different offenses thing. Yep. So Embiid has his own offense. And then when he goes out, you're back to more of what you think of Brett Brown. You're back to movement and dribble handoffs and all these little, you know, walk into the corner and all this action. Whereas Embiid, a bunch of the times he's on the court, definitely has that like 1980s Charles Barkley offense 
where we're going to clear out the entire side. They don't even they don't even pretend to have anything going on the weak side. And Embiid just powers you into oblivion. He just bludgeons you on the post. Mo, have you seen anything on that so far? You you agree with that assessment? I agree with it. But, you know, also part of it is I, I understand it. When you have a guy like Embiid who's also going to get to the line a ton because he does that, he's going to get you in the bonus earlier because of that. You know, that's that's something you go to. And that's that's he's their number one guy. That's why you're doing it and you're running to it. The thing is, and we talked about it last week. The offense is not going to look good all season. It's going to look clunky at times. It's not because the pieces don't necessarily fit great. I mean, think about it. You have three big guys in Embiid, Horford, and you know Simmons is a a big guy to a degree. All trying to fight for short amount of real estate in the paint. You know Horford helps them out a bit because he's able to pick and pop, and that's been a big difference for them in their offense, but in general, it's just going to take a while to figure out they're going to hang their hat on their defense. Their offense isn't going to look great. And at times, right, whatever one of those three guys is off the court and the other two are on things look better and it looks smoother and it's simpler and, and, and cleaner. Uh, but in that, but when you have a guy like Embiid, you know, you better throw the damn ball into the post to him because he's going to get you to the free throw line. He's going to get you and once he's going to, he's going to create, production out of the post just from that alone um, and even then there was a play last night where they posted Simmons and he found I think it was either Harris or Josh Richardson uh, off of a uh, uh, cut to the rib and it was just kind of like that's that's where they're going to get a lot of their creation overall it's just it has got to get better handling double teams and you know there there's going to be games where they're not going to be able to hit uh, uh, the broad side of a barn with a pumpkin uh, Instead, they're just they're just going to have to uh, rely on their defense. And that's really what they're going to hang their hat on. It's it's we may not be able to score, but we're betting on the fact that we're going to stop you way more than you're going to stop us. That defense is good. It's it's right. It's better than good. <laughs> yeah, it is better than good. Minnesota's first half offensive rating last night was 76. That that defense. And we've we talked about it. Yeah, it's living up to its billing. It's it's almost maybe even exceeding my expectations because when Matisse comes in right and you and you go with Matisse Simmons Horford and Bede just like good luck I thought luck they scoring. had a chance to be a historic defense uh coming into the season yeah just we talked about it. yeah with the, I mean they, they just got so many guys that you can just you can just trust and even Tobias Harris is not a negative defensively right like you don't have to you're probably going to stick him on on the worst you know wing but that's still okay. Like he he's gonna be out there and he's gonna compete. They just have so many guys that can that can defend, and it's uh, I don't know. It, it's the defensive part of the Sixers worries me very little. Um, but you know, again, I, I maintain that I worry about the shot creation once the playoffs come around. Uh, but for the regular season, I still think they're gonna be a juggernaut. Even even without Simmons and Embiid for a few games, I think they're gonna be fine. I mean, um. Like you said, Matisse being able to bring Matisse off the bench and have that that sort of high end defensive talent is insane. Do you think Seth's cats got him? I don't know. Did Seth? No, I'm just I'm listening. To, okay, I'm, I'm 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 listening and agreeing to everything right now. I've you know, it's uh you know it's uh, we've got 
four or five high usage guys on this pod and one of someone's got to take a back seat. So I'm, uh, I'm spacing to the corner right now. And, and, you know, I, I, it's, it's unfortunate that I'm getting criticism for being a good no, team player. No, I, I just wanted it. to, ch- no, I wanted to check in and make sure that you're still feeling good about spotting up in the corner. If you, you know, yeah. when, last time we did we'll a run pod, some plays for you. I see Jade is such a great editor that the public doesn't know this, but last time we did a pod, Seth and I, the cats, took out all the equipment at some it was just we had to like reset there was a cat attack right in the middle of the podcast so well, this, just checking in that won't get cut out on this podcast it was the, well the the sound effects were added as well so you know it, he uh jade jade sweetened it he he kind of made it sound like i own a leper not a not a small fluffy thing seth how do you feel about the phoenix suns i um I did not see this coming. They are uh, legitimately frisky. Um, I mean, it, it, on on some level, there's just there, there's the lesson as always is that you know, getting to a certain degree of baseline competence just by like giving a shit, right? Is is there's a there's a lot to that, and that's kind of a pretty big difference. And I guess I mean I, to some degree that's predictable based on who they added. I mean, you know, obviously Baines and and like. Uh, you know, Rubio might not be the guy who jumps off the page as as a gritty guy, but he is a he is a high level defensive player with a you know a long history of being good at being a point guard and and you know and 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 obviously uh, Sharich is a is a tough cookie. So they just they you know they've added um uh, uh, some uh, uh, you know you know sometimes you make people make fun of of you know kind of. Uh, coaches and traditionalists for talking about grit and blah, blah, blah. And oftentimes that goes too far, but Phoenix was a team that, you know, needed some of that and they've added it. And that just that has made them, you know, better, um, them being as good as they've been. Um, I don't, I'm not really sure if that'll continue. Um, yeah. I think they've ridden some, some cold opponent shooting. I think they've, uh, had some, some benefits of, of a schedule a little bit early, um, but at the same time, given where they've been the last couple of years, I mean, it's obviously it's got to be a, a hugely um, encouraging start to the season. Uh, Mo, Devin Booker looks better than I've ever seen him. And even though I don't think he's like turned into this all world defensive player or all world playmaker, he just looks uh, different. Well, I think you're seeing this is what Devin Booker looks like with a competent wingman in Ricky Rubio. I think that you, you you have a guy that can actually set the table a bit more, and it's not all on Booker, and it's not all defenses are just going to collapse on him constantly. You have kind of – it's what says to that. You know, you have competency all around now. You have – you know, Aaron Baines is a smart player. You have, uh, you know, Ricky Rubio. You have a lot of guys around him that are beginning to sort of just – help the collective talent and on top of that you know people forget man monty williams is a good coach like that's let's not forget that like he can kind of build some stuff up i mean he built the new orleans pelicans got them into the playoffs mainly on their defense but that's that's coaching and that's something that they have there with him and he's gonna find a way to build that bond with booker and i think Booker's finally getting an opportunity to get to play actual basketball instead of like i'm just gonna chuck constantly and hope these things go in because all my other teammates suck. He actually has 
a bit of a roster. This this looks like an NBA roster. Absolutely. Dario Saric. Dario Saric is another guy that's been playing pretty well for them. I mean, it's they just got guys that play basketball, and it makes the game easier. So when you do that, that opens the door for Booker to be even better than what we've seen so far. So uh, I'm excited to see what they're going forward for the season. I'm not sure if the trend will continue. Uh, if they're going to keep winning games, but it is fun to see them frisky. I, I had them as a doormat at the, the start of the season and you know what? I'm being proven wrong and I'm glad cause they're, they're a fun team and it provides challenges every night for every team that walks through the, the doors in Phoenix. Yeah. I mean, so they, I gotta, they were beating the crap out of the warriors with Steph Curry and Draymond green on the floor and Willie Cauley Stein, by the way, and Alec Burks. Oh, Willie Colley Stein and Alex Burke. Oh, hey, those are at least two NBA rotation guys. I mean, so it's just it like, wasn't just Steph and a bunch of G leaguers. Steph and Draymond and a bunch of G leaguers. Look, that, Dave, Dave, <laughs> look, Willie Colley Stein and Alec Burks are not walking through that door. Okay. Hey, look, look at what happened. Willie Colley Stein leaves the Kings, and what happens? Kavon Looney is not walking through that door. Not anytime soon. Is this well, reference too esoteric? This is a Rick Pitino reference. I feel like it's no, not for this audience. Okay, they good. know it. Uh, Seth, what were you about to say? No, I gotta just to, to Mo's point about you know sort of having a, a competent wingman for Booker, even with Rubio missing time uh, last year. Uh, Devin Booker had the ball in his hands uh, about seventeen percent of the time he was on the floor. Uh, this year, he's got it. He's had the ball in his hands just under 11 percent of the time. So it's almost a third of his time on ball has been has been taken off and redistributed. And I think that's probably helped him. Um, I, you know, it may be, you know, some of his individual stats, like his individual counting stats might suffer as a result of that. But his overall effectiveness, I think, is I think it, that's good for good for him. And and more importantly, since you know they're not in the business of of maximizing Devin Booker's fantasy stats, but in terms of 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 you know putting the 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 best possibility to win on the floor, I mean I think that you know putting him off ball more is 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 better, and having and but part of that is having someone capable of of handling the ball, and and that's been Rubio, that's been uh, Javon Carter's been good for them, so I think just kind of naturally putting pieces in better situations. As you know, again, with you know, you got a professional big man in Aaron Baines, you got a professional power forward in Darius Sarge, you've got a an underrated professional point guard in Ricky Rubio, and and here we are. So what you're saying is that, and this is from a, a former NBA front office member, it's important to have actual NBA players on your NBA team. I mean, you know, we're talking about them playing the Warriors last night, and I think the right. contrast is, you know. Fairly stark. The Warriors would kill for actual NBA players <laughs> right now. Um, don't you think? Yeah. This Warrior stuff is sad, man. Wait, wait, wait. It's really just, sad. Before we, before we go back to the dark side, <laughs> yeah. um, also, I think we should mention Kelly Oubre. Oh, yeah. Who, who I thought last year when going through Devin Booker film – which was at painful at times just because of the Suns roster construction, that he was kind of another shimmering light in the darkness. Uh, so if, if anyone didn't watch them last year, I think they're going to see his improvement as larger than it is, but he's continuing to get better and he's played really well the first week or so of the season. Yeah. I think he, he looks a lot more confident uh, right. walking into threes. 
which is just, something that just he with just his has actions. to do. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's just, just something he has to do. Yeah. Um, I man, I like the Suns. I can't believe I'm saying that, but I I like the team. I and Can now they make that, the playoffs. I see. This is they're where I'm making, at. Well, hold down. on. Now hear Stop. me out. Calm down. Hold on. Now, hear me now, out. Now you're, now you're Calm down. Hear me out. Hear me out. Let me let me no, make the on. case. Now, wait, 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 wait a minute. There's someone in this conversation who was talking about uh, the other team in this game as a as a potential uh, oh, okay. conference finalist. I was this just year, about so. to say. I was so just about to say. So I'm going to play. I'm going to play. I'm going to play. Calm down on you right now because it's not like no. you you you've hear got a me history. Out. Hear me out. Himself. Hear me now, out. He, he heard you out, and look what we heard. I from had you. no idea that the Warriors were going to be this bad. Nobody did. We were telling you. You did. Wait a second. Wait Hold a second. On. Wait a second. Who this thought is the, the Warriors were going to be like I was on, Dave, I was one on of the Bud's, three worst teams in the league? I was Dave, on wait. Buds two weeks ago saying they're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, but that's this different than this bad. Dave, this is not the trio to, to say that to. Because even just last <laughs> week, even last week, I was I was telling I was torn between like somewhere in the 30s. And we talked about how. 43 wins felt like an incredibly large amount of wins. Yeah, and I had them at like 41 or 42. I just my assumption was then Clay comes back and that's how they make their run. It's going down, yeah. but by yeah. by it's December it'll be I had them at 37. No, 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 no. I, I have it. Listen, it's not like I didn't put it on the internet. It's out recordings. there. It's out there. I had the Warriors at. I'm oh, sorry, 42 wins. 42. I, okay. wins. I wish we could play the tape back. I wish right you could now. play the tape back of of your of your preseason when and we were listen. when we were talking about contenders. You wanted to talk about the Warriors on our preseason contenders pod. Yes, you did talk about them. You talked about them extensively because I thought okay. I thought Steph Curry, Draymond, and D'Angelo Russell would be enough, and I was wrong. I will give Jay the tape of our season preview on my he show. Listen to it. <laughs> where you're you're way. I think you were at forty five or forty six. It's no, just slowly. No, I think I said forty-five for the for the Spurs that I had at the seven seed. It, you said the Spurs could be a top three seed in I all said, seriousness. I said they could. In all seriousness, yeah. I I do kind of want to hear your case because I think so. One of the things that's interesting to me is this assumption that the eight seed in the West needs like forty-six wins. I don't think. Oh you yeah, need that no. Many. I, I think so, I think forty-one, forty-two might might sure. make it. So make the case for Phoenix. I'd love to hear it. Oh, I'm just saying that. Phoenix now has a shot because the Warriors look absolutely awful. Um, the Pelicans are having injury issues. Like all these teams that were – the Kings look atrocious. Let's not talk about the Pellies. Right, but the, the Kings look atrocious. Um, I think, you know, today if I'm looking and I'm saying, well, who can sneak into that, you know, eighth spot? It's Minnesota. It's Phoenix. Dallas, you're forgetting. And, about oh yeah, Dallas. 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 Dallas is looking Porzingis, pretty damn good. Yeah, so Porzingis looks better than I expected him to look. I thought he was going to be rusty, and he hasn't looked that way at all. So this actually goes to that Kate, that idea that was floating around on the uh, internet for a while that like him taking as much time as oh, he yeah. took off actually really paid dividends for him. You know, because he looks great. He physically, he looks fine. I mean, he, he's he's played well. He's he's hitting the fl- flow and everything. Like I've watching him now, and it's like you know they had that big win against Denver uh, in Denver just two nights ago. So you know they're they're a team. I'm I'm jumping on their bandwagon. I didn't think they were ready to make the playoffs. I think they're they're going to replace the Warriors in the playoff race. Yeah, I think you're right. Actually. I just I forgot still, about Dallas. I have I think concerns you're right. about they they put some lineups out there that 
like they they I don't know the the lineup where they have Doncic and Porzingis and Dwight Powell out there uh, just doesn't work. Like they need to like it, it's it you know finding ways to have the other three guys fit around them is kind of odd with with their roster. Um, you know, Delon Wright's not really a good enough shooter. It probably works because he's he and Doncic are, are very savvy. Um, uh, obviously, I think Klebas look great from from what I've seen them so far. But it's just they they they're in that in that that, that weird like how does the rest of the roster fit together to get 48 good minutes a night? And cause that's kind of their path to the playoffs is being, you know, the way they, the way they came back and, and beat the nuggets the other day was, you know, when the, the second units came on the nuggets, new second unit fell apart and Dallas's was pretty good. And so they beat the crap out of them during those, like, you know, start of the start of the second quarter and the third early fourth quarter bits. They, they, you know, beat the pants off of them then, and that was kind of the game right there. I, so I th- that's – I think uh, you're going to need Tim Hardaway probably to, to earn that starting spot. I don't, I don't think it's – I'm with Seth. I mean, we talked about this, Dave, when, when we talked about Dallas. I'm a believer that they're going to get wins this year in the regular season from basically their bench units, uh, plural, you know, because they can construct different lineups around – Doncic and Porzingis as individuals where guys coming off the bench have really good games. I mean, they had nine guys in double figures the other day, which was the first time a Dallas team had ever done that in 33 years since 1986. So I'm with Seth here in that I think some of the constructions of the starters don't really give you great high end stuff, but the depth on the team and Carlisle's coaching, I I think that's, what's going to get them. I am at 42. I think it's going to get them into contention for one of those final spots. Yeah, I think 42 is what we're going to see out of the eighth seed. I had Dallas coming into the season at like 39, and that was being low on Porzingis. Because I I just, you know, I hadn't seen him. Um, I was just literally just going on a gut feeling like, oh, a seven-foot guy coming off an ACL tear. Um, That's what I get for that. He looks great. And I, I talked to someone from the Wizards about him because they they played him before they played the Spurs when they were here. And they even said they were surprised by how, how fast he was moving up and down the court. So, yeah, I guess the, the new ACL treatment method should be, what was he out, 16 months? Something oh, like that. Oh, like 20, wasn't he, or 18? Or... It was a lot. But either, I mean, but this is also the case for why Clay shouldn't rush. Yep. I mean, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Before, I mean, before the season lit itself on fire, like this was the case why Clay should have at any point planned to rush into playing this season. You know, let that knee fully recover and get your flow back. So, so as of today, you guys would take Dallas out of Dallas, Minnesota, Phoenix. I think that makes a lot of sense. I would. Yep. As far as a team mm-hmm. that you're buying being a real eight seed contender. Yeah. 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 Man, that's for me that's close between Minnesota and Dallas. Carl Anthony Towns is just so good. Yeah. 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 I can definitely buy that. The, the Minnesota's going to get wins. And yeah. if Cat continues to play like this, they'll be right there. It's, it's great. It's just I, mean, I think I, I'm just afraid of holding on to, to Wiggins, like trusting Wiggins all season. Like he's been he's been good so far, but it's like expected that to carry over scares me. Well, so, he he had one game one where he had game. that that in, that incandescent finishing. Oh no no, I I, I I I understand it and, and stuff, but I'm just saying like 
we're in such a it's small sample size right now, right? Like yeah. wait, waiting to see how this whole thing plays out. I mean, Towns is going to get what two, three games minimum. Like those are three losses right there. Probably that's pro- that's probably true. All right, that was uh that's it for the show. <laughs> On a down note, Th- thanks, Mo. Look what, you, look what you did. No, 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 no. I gave you guys Dallas. Dallas is that's the true. You did. Story. You reminded okay? me of Dallas, and, 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 and that's the thing. I mean, Dave was coming in here, guys, talking about Phoenix making the playoffs. Like y'all are coming at me. This hold on a second. Hang on. on this podcast. Hang we came on. At, oh, uh, 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 on this podcast, we came at Seth because he was being a a, a good glue guy. You guys come at me because I just make shots, <laughs> and now it's a whole th- like. What do you guys? What do you guys want from us? <laughs> Typical Mo, media. Yeah, I know. Hey, Mo, what are you watching this week? Basketball. <laughs> I mean, there's there's so many different things going on. It's like I, I'm still trying to just wrap my head around like, oh, I need to go watch this team and see what's going on. It's Like I said, it's been a really fun season in the sense of every game, for the most part, has been fairly interesting. I mean, I – I was like, okay, I'll watch Houston, Washington later. Then I saw the score. I was like, oh crap, I got to go watch that now. Um, it, it's just been a fun. Uh, and every you tried night. to click on League Pass, and oh, whoops! I guess I'm, I guess <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, not watching I'm, it. I'm knocking on wood. It's been working for me, so I'm just gonna knock on wood uh, to keep it going. Uh, but it's been working pretty well for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious about something now okay. that we're at the the end here. Must be nice, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> um, who have you guys seen? the least of this year? Like what's the team or the handful of teams you haven't really caught yet? Kings. I, I've, I've seen like a half of the Kings. I haven't seen the Hornets much. Um, I, I, I've only, I only caught a, just a touch of the Cavs uh, the other day and they actually, I mean, they're playing the Bulls and the Bulls are kind of right there with the Kings and the, yeah. and the Warriors for the, the, the early season. Oh no. Um, but, uh, they were they were they were intriguing. Um, I I you know I've seen very little of them, so it's again judging on on the smallest of sample sizes. But uh, Darius Garland is interesting to me. He's he's, he's shifty. Yeah. He, um, and they you know again they they kind of exploited the the one of the the great and great by great I mean terrible crunch time experiences right now is watching Zach Levine's decision making on both ends of the floor at the end of close games right now, and he was in full effect in that game um, with some pretty egregious shot selection and then just getting like blown by on a back door for a the monster dunk by Colin Sexton. Um, but, uh, so, but I haven't seen, I, I haven't seen, I probably have to watch them a little more. have to watch Charlotte a little more. Um, at some point, probably have to watch the Kings just to see what, what's actually going on. But yeah. I don't really want to, because That's, that seems like, that seems like putting a camera on a funeral. Like depressing, yeah. It's yeah. they were you, they were my favorite league pass team last right year. now. Last year, no, yes, last year, last year, yeah. Uh, if you haven't watched much uh, of the Heat, they are a lot of fun right now. Yes, that is. Um, I mean, and, and and Jimmy came back, and it was just like seamless. He was he was just perfect, uh, smart cutting, and and they have a lot of playmaking now. Uh, that they've lacked the last few years. That team is better than I thought it was going to be, uh, but a lot of fun to watch. If, if Jimmy, Jimmy helps, Jimmy jumps. Uh, yeah, Jimmy scores scores points. What about you? No who, who have you no not seen? No fans here. 
Yeah, no. No. <laughs> Me? Yeah. Uh, cut like maybe half of the Knicks Celtics. That's the only time I've seen the Knicks yet. I tried a little Kings, but it's after last year, they were so fun. Um, haven't seen like all I could take was about a quarter of the game. Mm, I haven't seen much Cavs. I think that's most the East, the Eastern teams always fall behind for me. Right. You know, it's like most of the West I'm pretty interested in. Can anyone tell me what's going on with Tristan Thompson? I forgot he was in the league. 20 and 11. Well, almost 20 and 12 a game right now. He, so at the end, again, the end of that game last night, he like, again, it was just one game, yeah. but he looked like, he looked like 20, 2009 Dwight Howard defensively. <laughs> like seriously, he was a monster in the fourth quarter of that game. Um, and you know, uh, it's maybe, uh, there's maybe a little bit of, um, if I play really well, maybe I get traded to a contender kind of thing going on for him. Yeah. The um, Lakers don't need a center though. But Boston does. Mm. Hmm. I kind of, I, I kind of like Boston's speed center thing. Assuming these guys can hold up. Whereas I, I, think- I haven't. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I think uh, Robert Williams, like if they get to a point where he's playing like 28 minutes a game, they're going to be a much better team because of it. Like if he can, if he can earn those kind of minutes, um, they'll, they'll be in good shape. I think his passing can unlock a lot for them offensively. So I don't know if they'll, they'll be in the center. They might be in the backup center market. I'm not there yet on Robert Williams yet. Like, well, let's, I said, let's let's ease up on. I the, said if, well, if Dave can look, earn it. Mo, Mo, you know Dave. Dave's the volume shooter here. I'm an optimist. I'm an optimist. Yeah, no, no. That's why I'm on the podcast. That's this right. is my job on the podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. You need a realist. You need oh, a person no. to, to bring you into reality, Dave. That's what you need. That's why I'm here, Seth. Seth is brought on here to help with that because it's gotten to the point sometimes where Dave is so out of control. It takes two of us to look at him and sometimes three. That's why we brought you on, Ben. Sometimes we just got to bring Dave back into earth here a little bit and just be like, all right, young fella, come on down. I want your new job to be to make John Isaac take more shots. That that worry about that. That's uh, that's a bigger concern to me. Wait a second. I, we haven't talked about the most important revelation of last night. It's wh- John Isaac. But it's Isak Bonga. Wait, you didn't know that? I never knew this. Isak. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, you got to read those pronunciation guides. Did There's... you guys all know this? Yeah. I mean, I no. did. No, and I didn't. And, and, and I didn't care to. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm along the lines of uh, coming to America. If his mama named him Clay, I'm going to call him Clay. <laughs> His mama named him Isak. That was yeah. literally what they talked about. That's on- not. I guess that's probably the wrong reference, but I, that's not how I read it. And I'm, you're challenging me now at this point to 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 remember that. Good luck. All right, we're going off the rails. Uh, that is it for this week's show. Uh, we'll be back next week with more Nerder She Wrote. Uh, thank you, Mo. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, Ben. Everybody check out Ben's stuff, uh, you know, the podcast, uh, Thinking Basketball, the book, Thinking Basketball, which I think you can get on Amazon or wherever you buy books, and uh, the YouTube channel, which is super informative, especially the passing series. I, I really enjoy that stuff. So uh, thanks, Ben, for, for hanging out. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.